welcome to Awaken Podcast. I hope you enjoy the teaching. Well, good morning, friends. Welcome to Awaken. How are you today? You know, that's a silly question when somebody like that in this position is like, how are you? Are you supposed to answer that? Oh, I'm fine. Thanks for asking. I went to the, you know, no. Um, it's good to see you all this morning. Welcome to Awaken. Um, my name is Micah. I'm one of the pastors here. Uh, today is Sacred Sunday, so once a month we take down the screen, uh, try to sing some songs that are a little further back in the catalog of Christian, uh, of Christian music. So you might need a program if you would like to sing along. There are some in the back. I have some up here in the front. Um, so grab one of those. And actually this morning, I am in, uh, responsible for the call to worship. And so uh, we're going to switch the first two songs in the order. So we're actually going to sing For the Beauty of the Earth first, and then the second song, Praise to the Lord Almighty. I don't know about you, but like when I wake up uh, recently, there's that like uh, almost hum of summer. I don't know if you sense that or feel that, where you you can kind of like feel things growing all around you. You know, like I, I drive up to the, the garden every week. I come and into the church, and I'm, I'm, I'm watching it grow, like literally in front of our eyes. And I just love this season. I love this time of year. Um, I love those kind of late summer nights when the sun starts setting, and you see the, like the cornfields, and the, the, the birds are chirping, and the, the animals are doing what they do. And it just reminded, it reminds me of like, what a wonder all around us, all the time. What a wonder, what a miracle. Uh, so I want to read from Psalm 33, and, um, which is a, a psalm about creation in some ways. And I want to just remind you about what, what's about to happen. This is called the gathering of God's people. This is also called the church. And for thousands of years, people who follow the way of Jesus gather in places, and they do something together that they can't do alone which has become one voice of many people. So wherever you come from today, whatever you bring, um, we're really glad that you're here. And we're going to join our voices in just a moment. And we've got one gathering for the summer, so that's one of the upsides of this is that there aren't people at 9.30 and there aren't people at 11. It's like everybody together in one space. And we're going to sing. And so I just want to encourage you, uh, if you're able, to to the degree that you can, like let's Let's make some noise this morning. Uh, the doors are open, so like what happens in here fills the streets out there. God, I love that. That's also one of the reasons I love summer. So receive these words from the psalmist this morning. Sing joyfully to the Lord. It is fitting for the upright to praise him. Praise the Lord with the harp. Make music to him with the ten-string lyre, or in this case, the piano. Sing to him a new song. Play skillfully, shout for joy, for the word of the Lord is right and true. He's faithful in all that he does. The Lord loves righteousness and justice, and the earth is full of his unfailing love. By the word of the Lord, the heavens were made, their starry host by the breath of his mouth. He gathers the water of the sea into jars and puts them into storehouses. Let all the earth fear the Lord, and let all the people of the world revere him. For he spoke, and it came to be. He commanded, and it stood firm. Let's be the church this morning and raise our voices, yeah? Stand if you would. Let's sing. All right. If you want to make your way back to your seats, that'd be fantastic. Uh, It's fun to see you all gathered in one space. Uh, So a couple things we want to let you know about before... uh, uh, before we jump into the teaching this morning, first and foremost, if you're new to Awaken, want to welcome you. We're super glad that you're here. Uh, we'd love to know that you were here. And so uh, in the seat pockets in front of you or in the pews in front of you, there are some cards that you can fill out if you're willing. Uh, or if you go online, there's a button you can c- click there that uh, says, I'm new. Someone from our uh, welcome team will reach out to you and invite you to a beverage of your choice. We'll get to know each other a little bit. Um, there are also QR codes, uh, so if you have tithes and offerings this morning that you brought uh, as a part of your worship, there are QR codes in the, uh, the pews now. Um, we will have that on the screen next week, but uh, you can give that way. Otherwise, those cards and tithes and offerings can go in the black boxes at each of the exits. Um, there's a couple of announcements we want to let you know about. First and foremost, uh, during the school year, we partner with a, a group called Focus Beyond, which is connected to the St. Paul Public Schools, and they... Um, 
they uh, have a, a program and bring adults uh, with disabilities and um, uh, to, to Awaken, actually, to clean, uh, clean the building um, every other week. And of course, because they're off for the summer, um, we don't have anyone cleaning our building uh, every other week. We have somebody who comes uh, a service. But the point of my story here is this. Um, we're looking for some folks who might be willing um, once a week, uh, or I should say once a month um, on the off weeks, to help uh, keep our building clean, specifically trash and bathrooms. Um, so if you have time this summer and are able, you know, maybe a Saturday morning, uh, Basically, uh, Saturday before the church uh, meets on Sunday, the weeks we don't have a cleaner, um, we're looking for some folks to help out with that. So if you're, if you're able and you're interested, um, you can contact either Jenna or myself. Uh, that would be fantastic. Uh, there is a camping trip coming up July the 8th to the 10th. So if you're interested in camping, Kathy Solomon is leading that charge. Uh, there are, I think we have a large group site, um, and then there are some standard sort of uh, solo sites that are available, and that is at Lake Elmo Park Reserve, July 8th through 10th. So contact Kathy for questions or go online for more information. And then last but not least, our annual meeting is right after church today. So if you're here to stick around for that, we're super grateful. If you're interested, um, anybody's welcome to come to that. Um, partners, members in our church are able to vote on our budget and some things that we're voting on, but that's happening after the gathering. We'll have lunch together, and then at noon, that meeting will start. We do have kid care, um, which is in the form of a movie and some teenagers, um, so we're grateful for them also. Um, and that's, uh, that's what's happening in the life of the church, friends. If you don't get our Awaken Weekly, that's a, a, a weekly email uh, that goes out. All the details of everything we're doing is in there, so I want invite you to subscribe to that. With that, I'm going to invite Sharon and Deanna to come on up. And um, we have been connecting to uh, a group, an organization called Ein Die Young over the last, uh, I guess, year or so um, in a number of ways. And this last week, there was a, um, an event that they hosted on Harriet Island that these folks were at. And I just thought, man, such really cool things are happening. So I said, would you guys come and share about that? They said yes. So would you please welcome Sharon and Deanna? Hi, I'm Sharon, and um, I'm part of the missional team here at Awaken, and um, I was really privileged to be able to assist in setting up of the powwow, which took place at Harriet Island last weekend, and then observe part of the um, ceremony later that day. The main takeaway I had from that experience was the important work that Andayang is doing in the community for the indigenous people, and it's work that only they can do. Um, I knew that they already that they were addressing the physical needs of the community through their social services, but this experience made me realize they're also addressing the spiritual needs of that community in an effort to bring healing to both individuals and the community at large. Um, I realize now that they incorporate the values and the traditions of the indigenous people into everything they do. And the reason they're able to do that is because they have staff who are themselves part of the indigenous community. At the beginning of the day we went down, we were helping with the setup. Troy Groves also was there helping us with the setup. And once most of the setup was done, we noticed that the staff had created a circle for some sort of a meeting. And so we stood on the sidelines, kind of waiting, not sure um, whether we should join the circle. And they invited us to join the circle. And we were able to be a part of the ritual of smudging, which is something new um, for me anyway. And I saw a person who was holding a container and there was smoke coming out of the container. And she would approach each person in the circle and as she approached them, the person would wave smoke toward their body and some of them would wave it as if it was going over their head and over their arms. And, and then she'd move on to the next person. So I asked the staff member who was next to me what the significance was. And um, she shared that it was actually sage that was being burnt. And they believe that sage is, has some healing powers. And they use this um, sage in the smudging ritual, not only for healing, but to cleanse our body, mind, and spirit. And she said people were centering themselves through this cleansing process as they prepared for the event of the powwow. Um, later in the evening, Deanna and I went back down there 
for what they call the grand entry, which was all the dancing and the cool stuff. And as we approached, there was hundreds of people who were waiting around this circle, um, waiting for the event to begin. And as we went through and observed what was happening and chatted with one of the staff who was running a, one of the vending booths, I realized that I was an outsider looking into a community whose spiritual beliefs and values are interwoven with their shared history and life experiences. There was so much happening in that event that was new to me and foreign to me. We all stood where young and old were singing an anthem that I did not recognize in a language I could not understand. There was this um, seeming significance to, that everybody understood around what looked to me like just common grass. There were so many um, aspects of the powwow that I had um, no idea because I wasn't part of the indigenous community. And I left the event more aware of the important work that Andayang is doing. They naturally incorporate values of the indigenous community by empowering the staff who themselves are part of that community. And I know that Awaken is doing a lot in our community and we can do a lot to meet the needs of our community, but we cannot do the work that Andayang is doing. That is something that only they can do. But what we can do as a community is to support the work of Andayang. And I'm so happy that our church has decided to have a continual um, effort in supporting what they are doing, because it's such an important part in our community. And I think we were all happy, Troy and Sharon and I were all really happy that our main role actually in the morning was setting up the recycling and the compost bins. And it really, it just, it felt like a connection with our community because we have been taking steps in the direction of creation care and you could really see how they were trying to make this event zero waste as much as possible. So there, it just felt like we were connected in that way. And it was fun too. Um, the thing that stood out to me the most about the event was, I think, like within the first hour that we were there, we heard the word elder so many times, just repeatedly, whether it was saying, that, where, will, where will our elders be seated, or that's based on the teaching of our elders, or, well, that role will be for the elders, or only the elders will be doing that, or sitting there, or it just was constant. And it really made a huge impression on me, just the reverence and respect in which they hold their elders in that community. When we observed the powwow later that evening, there were probably 50 dancers, I'm guessing maybe more, all the way from a little girl who looked like she was two, to a woman who was in full regalia, and fully a part of the circle and dancing with her walker. And it was just beautiful and nobody made a deal of any of that. The little children were as equally included as this beautiful elder. And so again, that just made such a huge impression on me. There were parts of it, as you said, Sharon, there were parts of the powwow experience where I felt like I was either deaf or I wasn't, I just was hearing a language that I didn't know, and Sharon has already talked about that. But for example, when they were dancing, there were drums, there were singers, all the dancers, it was very loud, and there was a lot happening, and then just boom, on a dime, the whole place went silent. And Sharon and I kind of looked at each other like, what just happened? And how did they know? How did they know? Because to our ear, it all, it, it sounded very much the same and repetitive, but there was something happening there that we were not hearing. And that was good for us to realize that, that we were, we were listening, but we couldn't understand. And so I just left with a longing to keep learning more so that maybe someday when I'm at a powwow, I'll be able to hear that and I'll know what's going on. And then the last thing I just wanted to mention, there are a lot of people in our community right now, or a number of people who are reading the book Braiding Sweetgrass. And I had just finished reading that book right before the powwow. And sweetgrass has a beautiful aroma. Some people say it's a little bit like vanilla. 
It's very distinctive. And when I walked into sort of the staging area for the event, I could smell that sweet grass. I knew it was there somewhere. And sure enough, there was a group of people sitting around a table, and they were preparing fresh sweet grass that had just been harvested that morning. And they were getting it ready in bunches of seven. And that is because of the teacher teachings of the elders are in sevens. And then that sweetgrass would be braided during the powwow and used during the healing dances. And what was explained to us is that you can braid sweetgrass by yourself, but it's very difficult because you don't have the tension, you don't have the push and pull, if you will. But if Sharon and I had the privilege of braiding something together, then we would hold that intention together. And so braiding sweetgrass should always be done in community. And just the community feeling that we discovered there was such a beautiful thing. It really did leave an impression on us. So thank you for letting us share. And we're excited about what's coming next. Yeah, I'm not sure why I prepared this sermon this morning, but uh, man, there was a lot there, right? Wow. Um, so yeah, um, we're, we're super excited about this relationship going forward and opportunities to, to lean into that. Um, so thanks for sharing. Thanks for going and representing Awaken. Um, if you have your Bibles, I want to invite you to turn to Philippians chapter 3. Last week we were in the park together and we honored uh, our friend Jane Berg, who's uh, transitioning to a new, a new season of life, and that was super fun and beautiful. We talked about Paul and um, this, this, uh, this warning that Paul gives in Philippians about these folks that, are, are, uh, that he knows about in Galatia, another city, another church plant that he has started, uh, folks who were called the Judaizers. Uh, these were Jewish Christians who were kind of placing things on top of the, the new Gentile Christians. Um, essentially adding to the requirements to be welcomed into community. So it was Jesus plus Torah observance and dietary laws and even circumcision. And for Paul, uh, he recognizes that this is just a, re a religious version of what we sort of do as humans, which is divide folks up into categories and assign value and um, determine who's in and who's out in some ways. And Paul's like, listen, stop, don't, we don't, don't do that. You don't have to play that game. Um, it's Jesus plus nothing for Paul. And so he's inviting the Philippians to kind of live into this and live this out throughout this book, but specifically last week. This week, we're going to keep going with Paul in chapter 3. So uh, if you have your Bibles, ch uh, Philippians chapter 3, Naomi is going to read our passage for this morning. And if you're able, I would invite you to stand for the reading of the text, and then we'll jump in. Not that I have already obtained all this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. All of us then who are mature should take such a view of things, and if on some point you think differently, that too God will make clear to you. Only let us live up to what we have already attained. Join together in following my example, brothers and sisters, and just as you have us as a model, keep your eyes on those who live as we do. For as often I have told you before, and now tell you again, even with tears, many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their destiny is destruction, their God is their stomach, and their glory is in their shame. Their mind is set on earthly things, but our citizenship is in heaven, and we eagerly await a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, who by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like his glorious body. Pray with me. God, this morning as we turn our attention and our hearts, our minds to uh, this word from Paul, to this little church in Philippi, um, it's my hope and prayer as always that you would take these ancient words written to a community so, so far away from us, and you would make them alive and uh, resonant in our community again today. Uh, so Holy Spirit, do your work. Um, to the degree that we can, we open our eyes and our ears and our hearts to you and your movement uh, in our lives and in our world. We pray in the name of Christ and by the power of the Spirit. The church said together, amen. You may be seated. 
Uh, usually, this is the passage where the pastor cues up a video called Chariots of Fire. You guys have seen that one, you know, and it's like uh, the, the guy gets pushed over to the side, but he presses on and he keeps going to win the prize for which Christ is. I'm not going to do that because it's Sacred Sunday and we don't have a screen. Um, I wouldn't have done that anyways because that's really not my style, but I would be lying if I said I didn't watch the clip. And I get why people do it because it totally fits. It works. Um, Paul switches metaphors actually here. Last week he's using like a, an accountant metaphor, bank balances and ledgers. And this week he switches to the metaphor of an athlete. An athlete who presses on, an athlete who trains, an athlete who keeps going. Um, and there's a lot in this verse. I want to, if you, in my opinion, I think it's kind of broken up into four sections. And I want to focus on the first section and the last section. In the middle... Um, in verses like 17 to, to, or 15 to 16, Paul encourages the believers of Philippi uh, to live up to what they've already attained, which he talks about in verses 12 to 14. We'll talk about that. And then in verses 17 to 19, he kind of speaks about those who, who live in opposition to this way that Paul's inviting the church to live. Um, verses 12 to 14 and then 20 to 21 are the two sections that I want to sort of focus on. And what holds all this together for Paul is this and that and the goal and the prize, right? He starts with, not that I've already obtained this, um, but I press on to take hold of that. The prize, the goal, which Christ has called me heavenward. So, like, what is this and what is that? What is the goal? What's the prize that Paul is talking about? And we'll come back to that, because I think he gets, it, he gets to it in verses 20 and 21. Um, so this first part, verses 12 to 14... I want to just, I want to highlight a couple of words, a couple of ideas that Paul raises in this passage because he's talking to a church. He's, he started this church. He loves these people and he wants them to, to, to live lives that are worthy of the gospel. He wants them to be the church in the world. And so I want to just encourage the church this morning. Can I do that for a little bit? Uh, sometimes when you come to Awaken, you know, we ask a question and it's maybe a little angsty or a little like discombobulating or, uh, you know. We get into the existential questions of life. Today, I just want to encourage the church. So um, let's do that. Uh, verses 12 to 14, he starts and he says, Not that I have already obtained this. Not that I've already obtained something. Uh, there's a word that, I, uh, that I've mentioned before in my preaching life at Awaken, 12 years of that. And it's a math term. Uh, maths, if you're from England... And I actually think it's really helpful for the Christian life. It's, it's a word, an idea called an asymptote. Um, does anyone have any idea what an asymptote is? I, I, you do. Okay, we've got one. Uh, we've got another. Okay, a couple people. I, I thought maybe there would be a few. An asymptote is the following. It is, a, according to the dictionary, it is a line that continually approaches a given curve but does not meet it at any finite distance. So an asymptote, maybe more simply, you could say that it's always approaching and never reaching. Think about like an axis or a graph and a line that's always approaching the axis, but it's always infinitely divisible, right? It never reaches that. It's always getting closer. Paul says, not that I've already obtained this. Um, Paul, of anyone in the story of the Bible, right, could claim some kind of attainment. Uh, he is uh, he's a pretty significant fellow. He's studied Torah. He's a, he's a Pharisee. Um, he's got all kinds of, like, and he mentioned them in, in the passage last week, right? A, a Pharisee, a, a Jew, a tribe, the tribe of Benjamin, like, studied of Torah, memorized these things. Um, like, if anybody could sort of rest and kick back and take a little, uh, take a little break, like, coast a little bit, it would be Paul. And Paul starts, he says, not that I've obtained this. Not that I've obtained the goal or the prize, but on this side of resurrection, I'm always approaching but never reaching. There's this insatiable desire that Paul has to be near, to be present to, to be pursuing the life of Jesus. Uh, raising our kids, uh, especially kids one in three, uh, there was this sense in which for them, there was always more to get, always more to do, always more to go to, always more to see, always more to taste, you know? Uh, like, there, there, just, there was an insatiable desire. They, there was always going, always more. And I want to just offer a question for reflection this morning as we begin. Um, Paul says, not that I've already obtained this, because Paul recognizes that 
the Christian life on this side of resurrection is always approaching and never reaching. There is an unfinished nature about this journey that we're on, this invitation that we've been given. In that, yeah, there are times to, um, to like pause. There are times to like, you know, get off the road for a moment and stop at the rest stop or to get some gas or to maybe have some repairs done or have allow something to be repaired in you, right? I recognize that that's a part of the journey. And I always want to make room for that at Awaken. Like as much as I prod and push and poke and, 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 and move, attempt to move us along, there's always that caveat, right? That there's, if you need to sit in the back for a season and just cry or breathe or drink deeply from a well, like you can do that. And always approaching, never reaching. Not that we have obtained this. Is there any sense in which you've taken your foot off the gas? Is there any sense in which maybe if you were to describe, you know, the, the, the pace of your spiritual life, you're, you're coasting a little bit. And I want to just encourage you this morning that there is a ton of, of work to be done. There is a world that we live in because you woke up this morning and there was a, a heart in your chest that was still beating. There was breath in your lungs. You're alive in a world where you've been invited to participate with the divine presence, with God, in the renewal of all things. And until resurrection comes, which, spoiler, that's where we're going here, until that happens... We have, not obtained, we have not obtained the goal. We've not arrived at the destination. And Paul gets that. And I think that's some, a word for us as the church, right? There is this push and pull, this tension, which I love, of rest and work, of rest and work, of Sabbath, right? Six days we work, one day we Sabbath. There's work to be done. And I want to remind you, as a faithful follower of Jesus, if you consider yourself one of those, that you, you hold in your hand a unique gift, a calling, uh, something that only you can do. You know, one wild, precious life, Mary Oliver says in her poem. And there is, there is a, a, a way in which we have not obtained the end. And so we take another step, and we move forward. And Paul recognizes that. He says, not that I have obtained something, and, for, and, and because of that, forgetting what is behind. Uh, a word of wisdom that's important for the spiritual life, but maybe just life in and of itself. Forgetting what is behind. I was just at a track meet last week. My oldest uh, is a jumper, high jump and pole vault. My middle uh, was a hurdler until she fell on a hurdle and sprained her ankle. So season was over. Isn't that just tragic when that happens? You know, kids are trained for something and then done, over. But better luck next year, right? We'll get them, kiddos. So I'm at the track meet. Get on task here. I'm at, the, I'm at the track meet. The 4 by 100 or the 4, no, the 4 by 800. Two times around, there's four people. Our men's team is going to state for two rivers. They're, they're very, very good. They're very fast. And our anchor leg is like wicked fast, like really, really good. And as I was watching this happen, I'm hearing people, they're, they're, you know, they're in the lead. Uh, the anchor leg is coming around. And I'm hearing the coaches, stop looking back. Stop looking back. Evidently, this kid, like, he just cannot not look backwards when, when he's running. And I, I, don't, I don't run track, but evidently, for you track folks, you know, they're like, you don't look back. That, that invites all sorts of chaos, like all kinds of problems. Just don't do it. It's a bad idea. Don't look back. What are you supposed to do? Look forward. Look at the goal, the, the, the end, the finish line. Paul says, forgetting what is behind. And I want to sort of separate this into two categories. There's like the daily, the practical, the sort of everyday stuff. And then there's like our past and our histories and our stories. Practically, we make mistakes every day, right? You probably said something today that you regret saying. Yeah? Can I get a show of hands? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> you, 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 you've done things that you wish you hadn't done and you wish you could take back. We all do this, right? That's part of life. And there is a way in which some of us... Um, we, we, we allow those things to, like, paralyze our present and our future. And we just hang on to these things, these mistakes, these moments that we wish we could take back. And we allow them to impact our present and certainly our future. You know, I'm a, I play golf. 
and it's my Achilles heel. I just can't forget the, the shank on hole two. You know, for those of you non-golfers, I don't even know how to explain that to you. But uh, I, I, for my whole career, it's been my nemesis that I just can't forget the things that I've done in the past that I wish I hadn't done. Paul says, forgetting what is behind. Ted Lasso fans? Ted Lasso? Yeah, yeah. Who's looking forward to that next season, huh? Be a goldfish. <laughs> this is one of the greatest lines of Ted Lasso, right? He says to this guy who, who just can't get past the mistakes, he's, uh, um, Sam, he's like, Sam, do you know what the happiest animal on the planet is? A goldfish. You know why? A goldfish has a memory of 10 seconds. And then it just forgets. So be a goldfish. You know, the pass that you didn't make or whatever, just be a goldfish. Like, that sounds really stupid and trite, and it is. But it's, but it's not. Forgetting what is behind. Is there anybody in the room this morning who needs to be reminded that um, you don't have to carry those things with you? You can leave them. And there's a, there's a balance, right, between being cavalier and not caring about the actions that you make and the, the impact that your actions have in the world. You don't want to do that. But you can also just drag those things along. And those folks... Man, have you ever seen a person who, you, like, if you were to describe how they approach life, they're just always leaning in, right? They're just ready for it, and they're going for it. And then there's another kind of person that's always just kind of, like, on their heels. They're always sort of, like, living from fear and anxiety, forgetting what is behind, right? Daily, everyday, practical things. But then even think about, like, the things that you've been, you've been bringing along from your past, the shame or guilt or, or um, defeat. Uh, is there anybody in the, in the room this morning who, who would be benefit from the wisdom that you're not the sum of your worst mistakes? You're not the sum of your worst moments. That's not who you are. You don't have to, like, carry that with you. You can, like, take those things out of your pack, see them for what they are, what they were, not deny them, name them, and then say, like, goodbye. And what I love about Jesus in the Gospels is he seems to have a terrible memory. Do you, do you, have you noticed that? He, he never, 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 I, I don't say never and always are two terrible words for relationships, okay? So never start like you never or you always. Never going to be, it's, it's not going to be good. <laughs> but Jesus never drags people's past along with them. He invites them to a new future, but he has a terrible memory. And I love that about him. It's always here and now, and where are we headed? This is why I think meditation is so wonderful in, in some ways. It's about like being present to this right here, this moment, and moving forward. Paul says, not that I've obtained this, but forgetting what is behind you. And then, straining and pressing on. Two Greek words Paul uses, diako, and this one's a hard one to pronounce, epectinomai or something like that. It means to, diaco means to run swiftly in order to catch a person or thing. To run after, you know. Think of a child who like sees their parent at the mall and runs after them. And then to stretch out towards, to, to, to move forward towards something. There's this active yearning and stretching to gain hold of uh, and to move towards the life of Jesus. Um... It's no secret, friends, that the last couple years have been brutal. COVID has been awful on all of us for so many different reasons. U.S. politics are really hard right now. Gun violence in our world, especially America, it's maddening for us as a church right now. This is a tough season. And then whatever you bring, like fill in your blank, this has, been a, this has been hard. 
There's this great exchange with Jesus in the book of John. The sixth chapter. The crowds are gathering. Things seem to be going well up and to the right. More and more people are coming. And then Jesus offers this challenging word. And in verse 66 of chapter 6, careful, (laughs) it says this, from this time, many of his disciples turned back and no longer followed him. And Jesus said to the twelve, you don't want to leave too, do you? And Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. And so they kept going. They kept pressing on, persevering, straining to be near and close to Jesus. Because they believed, and I believe, and I'm asking you to believe, that in fact, Jesus does have the words of eternal life. That this way of being human in the world, this well that we want to gather around, and I'm inviting you to center your life on, is worth it. People have left. And there's a great sorting in our world right now about like what's important to you. And I just want to ask you, like, do you, do you want to leave? Which is to say, or ask the question, do you believe Jesus when he says, I am the well of living water and anyone who comes to me will never thirst again? In some ways, I I reply with Peter, Lord, where will we go? To whom shall we seek? Find a better way to be in the world and bring about hope and love and peace and forgiveness and reconciliation and redemption and the things that our hearts long for than this way of Jesus. To whom shall we go? And so for me, as a pastor of this little church, I'll just double down again, chips all in, like this is the anchor, you know, whatever, whatever the seas may bring, how high the, the waves might get, like I'm, I'm banking on this fact, and so to whom shall we go? So let's keep pressing on, let's keep pressing in, let's keep moving towards this life that is Jesus, the teachings and his way of being human in the world. Why? Because it's the prize. It's the this and the that, the goal and the prize Paul speaks of. So let's go to verses 20 and 21. Not that I have tamed, I've obtained this, but I press on to take hold of that. I press on toward the goal, the prize. What is it? You might be tempted to think at the end of verse 14, Paul says, I press on toward the goal, the prize, for which God has called me where? Heavenward in Christ Jesus. You might be tempted to think that that's it. That's the this, that's the that, that's the prize or that's the goal. Heaven after we die. And I'm here to tell you this morning that that is not the goal. That is not the prize. That's not the this or the that that Paul talks about. He even says it in the passage, if we're paying attention. Follow, keep going. He says in verse 20, Our citizenship is in heaven, and we eagerly await a Savior, get it, from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, who by the power that enables him to bring everything under his, to his control will transform our bodies so that they will be like his glorious body. What's the prize? What's the this? What's the that? The thing that this is all about, Paul says, it's not some disembodied future someday with Jesus in the clouds with angels. No, that's not it. He says, we eagerly await a savior, one who has conquered death and evil, to come from there here. To this place. Why? Because he will transform these bodies, this world, into the world that we see a foretaste of, a glimmer of, a glimpse of, in the resurrection of Jesus. God will do for all of creation what God has done for Jesus at Easter morning. Amen? That's the hope. That's the point. It's not disembodied future realities. Paul uh, is speaking to the Philippians. Philippi, if you didn't know, is a Roman colony. Uh, 45 BC, about 100 years before Paul gets there, there's a war that Rome is, is waging on the world, and they make their way to Philippi, which is in Greece, and they conquer. And there's all these soldiers way down there, far from Rome and Italy, and they've won the battle, and uh, they're like, what should we do with these people? Rome is overcrowded, it's a, it's a mess back there, and, and what, the word that they get is give them land. 
in Philippi. So the Roman uh, Antony and Octavian, the generals, they give all the soldiers who have won this war land in Philippi, and they declare it a colony of Rome. And so what happens is that these people settle there among the Greeks, among the Philippians. And they begin to bring to bear the values, the life, the uh, authority of Rome to Philippi. This is how colonies work. Now, it's maybe a terrible metaphor based on the fact that colonialism has just done all kinds of evil and havoc in the world, especially Christian colonialism. And yet, this is what Paul has in mind when he says, you are citizens of heaven. What does he mean by that? A, a, a citizen of a colony doesn't say, you know, like a Roman citizen uh, who's living in Philippi. They don't say, I'm a Roman citizen, and so I'm going to pack up my bags and go back to Rome. No. They say, I'm going to embody the life of Rome here in Philippi. Because I'm a citizen of another ruling realm. Another kingdom, as it were. Paul says, you are citizens of heaven. Meaning, you, the church, the life of Jesus right here in the room and all around the world, uh, live in a world in some ways that uh, has values that are at odds with this way of being human in the world, this Jesus way. And our job, our invitation, is to embody the life of the kingdom, embody the life of Jesus here in this world with the hope and the, 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 like the future vision of the fact that what happened at Easter will happen for all of creation in Christ. Resurrection, friends. So Paul says, where you are in Philippi, be citizens of that kingdom, heaven, the rule and reign of Jesus, in this world here and now. Which means, lay down your life for your enemies. Which means, forgive your enemies. Which means, love sacrificially. Take in those who don't have homes. Bring them in. Make the table bigger. Be the church. Be the kingdom here and now. Because that's what's coming. And we're waiting for it. We're not going to like go there someday, but Christ is going to bring it here. What's the Lord's Prayer? Does anybody remember that one? Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. What is it? On what? Earth. Even the Lord's Prayer says it. How did we miss this, you guys? Bring your kingdom here on earth. Revelation 21. There's a city that comes out of heaven, out of this realm, into this realm, right? And new creation, a new world emerges. It's all over the New Testament. So what's the this? What's the that? What's the goal? What's the prize? It's not hoping and waiting like a waiting room until we die and then we get to go fly off on a cloud with Jesus. If that's what you were told, I'm sorry. Uh, on behalf of all the clergy who have ever said that, and the churches that said it. And I'd like to set the record straight, if this is new information for you, that the, the, the trajectory, the impulse, the invitation of the story of God in the New Testament post-Jesus is that we, that, that, that God will do for all of creation what happened for Jesus at Easter. We'll transform these bodies so that they don't know pain, so that we don't need guns and bullets, so that there is no war. So that this world lives at peace like it was once meant to live. Where we started the story in Genesis 1 and 2. It matters where you start the story. If you start the story in Genesis 3 with sin, then the problem, then we just got to fix the problem and, and get us all out of here. I need like a sweat rag. <laughs> Friends, uh, an encouragement to the church this morning. As... It, it, and this really is a, a message to the body of Christ who's gathered at Awaken this morning. And, and maybe you're here and you're like, I don't really know about that. Totally cool. It's fine. Like, stay as long as you'd like. We always say, like, it's the Hippocratic Oath around here. Just do no harm and you're welcome to stay. <laughs> right? If you're not fully convinced of this, that's okay. But to the church, not that we've obtained this. What's this? Resurrection. Why? Because you're still here. There are still systems that serve some and not others in our world. And the invitation of the church is to show up in those places and to help change those systems. Not that we've obtained this, resurrection. How do we know? Because there's still people who are hungry. That's not the kingdom. That's not resurrection. So the job of the church, the invitation of the church is to show up in those places and to figure out how to feed people who are hungry. Not that we've obtained this. What? Resurrection. How do we know? 
just keep going down the line, okay? Not that we've obtained this. So forgetting what's behind, Jesus has a terrible memory. So let's stick with Jesus on this one. Let's just go, go to the future. You're forgiven. Whatever debt, whatever rocks, whatever heavy things you're carrying, you can leave them there and we can keep going together, okay? Not that we've obtained this, forgetting what's behind, straining towards what is ahead. Can we, like, gather together as the people of God and, like, you know, oxen, you know, uh, animals, they put a harness on them. Can we just imagine ourselves as, like, one big beast of burden and, like, strap on the, uh, the, the challenges of the world we live in and pull together in the same direction for hope and love and, and, and forgiveness and, and redemption? And I am so convinced, you guys, that if we can do that, that there is a, that it's good news. Does anybody need good news this morning? Who, yeah, are you with me now? Church of Jesus, can we do this together? Yeah, yeah. It, 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 it's not that hard in some levels. There's, there's something all around all of us all the time that is asking, waiting for the presence of the living Christ to show up in you and in me. So, I was with some friends of mine yesterday. I went to Chicago to honor the life of a dear friend, um, uh, you know, who was trying to forget some things in the past and strain on towards what was ahead, Dick Luco. And I was just reminded, one, these people love to sing, so I love to hang out with these folks. They just, like, somebody starts playing the organ, everybody stands up, and it's like, whoa! We don't get that at Awaken, and, you know, I'm fine with that, but I sure do love going to those gatherings. I just cry. I can't even sing. so beautiful. And there's this sense of, like, all these people attempting, trying to pull in, in one direction. I'm, I'm refraining from a really bad pop culture joke right now. You're welcome. <laughs> and so there's a lot of things we don't know, right? There's a lot of things that we're, we're in the midst of waiting on. And in the meantime, there are, there are a lot of things that we do know that we've been invited to love our neighbor as ourself. And um, that's good news to your neighbor and the world and you. So um, that's all I have for you today. If you'd like to follow me on this journey, um, I'll boldly say, as Paul once said, follow me as I follow Christ. Let's pray. God, this morning we gather as your church and uh, for some of us there's a wondering about like, is that really true? Is that story worth giving your life to? Um, for others of us, there's a conviction that it is because of what we've seen and heard and everything in between. And so God, this morning we take just a moment of silence to ponder anew uh, if this good news about Jesus and forgiveness and liberation is really true. So Holy Spirit, meet us where we are and invite us to take whatever step is next for us, I pray. As we close this morning, we'll invite you to respond and that may mean doing nothing. It may mean singing along. It may mean receiving Eucharist. It may mean just spending a quiet moment in prayer. Uh, or something else. All welcome. On my right and left, there are elements for communion. And um, we'd invite you to make your way up if you'd like. Uh, there's hand sanitizer there, so grab a little bit of that. Uh, the bread is gluten-free, and we'd invite you to take a piece of bread and dip it in the cup. There's red wine and white grape juice. Uh, and know that as you do, the body of Christ has been broken for you and the blood of Christ has been shed for you. Uh, so come. Um, and Mel and Sarah will lead us in song and uh, just see what the Spirit says. So let's do that. Friends, I have good news and bad news for you. <clears throat> People always ask, like, what's the plan? What's the program? 
How are we going to get this done? The bad news is, I don't really have that plan. The good news is, you're the plan. Uh, how's it going to happen? You. Like, you're the plan. How does more love and more joy and forgiveness and redemption and restoration, like, how does that happen in the world? You. When you show up as a follower of Christ to the work that you do, to the families that you're a part of, to the neighborhoods that you live in, and you live this stuff out, that's the plan. It doesn't sound like rocket science because it's not. Sometimes I wonder, you know, like, God, what were you thinking <laughs> to leave this all, like, in our hands? But it appears to me that that's what's happened. So um, you're the plan. So go be the plan in the worlds that you live in with, like, the blessing of God's Spirit upon you. Yeah? Until we meet again, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord lift up his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance to you and give you peace in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And the church of Jesus Christ gathered in St. Paul said together, Amen. Uh, stick around for the annual meeting. Drinks are downstairs. Eat outside. Meeting will start at noon. Let's rock and roll. Find us online at www.awakeningcommunity.com or on Facebook at www.facebook.com backslash Awakening Community or on Twitter at Awakening Community. See you next time.